This is Lisa DeLay, the host of Spark My Muse, and this is Soul School Lesson 161, The Familiar as Facade. Today I'm going to be sharing with you a bit on John O'Donohoe. It looks like John O'Donohue to Americans, but I'm told that in Ireland and where he is from, John O'Donohoe is the way to say it. I've spoken about John's poetry and work before, and I'm always delighted and surprised and astonished by his work. A number of quotes have made it into my book, which has just been turned in. I am hopeful and excited about what's coming in terms of that book. I will keep you notified about it. Speaking about John, he was born in 1956 into a native Gaelic-speaking family on a farm inhabited by previous generations in the Burren region of County Clare, Ireland. As the oldest of four children, he learned to work alongside his parents and uncle, developing a close kinship with the wild landscape, framed by an ethereal view of a limestone valley and the beckoning waters of Galway Bay. This valley was the shell of John's soul, forging a deep and powerful connection with the elements shaping him. He was educated at the local primary school, alternating his studies with farm chores, of tending livestock, raising crops, carving peat for fuel in his youth. John later described the profound influence of his childhood home as, quote, a huge wild invitation to extend your imagination, an ancient conversation between the land and sea. I'm getting this from johnodonohill.com, the about section. John went on to study English literature, philosophy, and theology. He entered the priesthood and was ordained in 1982. He got his master's degree and a PhD in philosophical theology, went to the University of Tübingen in Germany, and did his work on Hegel, the German philosopher. Following his rigorous academic studies, John returned to Ireland in 1990 to resume his priestly duties. He began to recognize an affinity for non-dualism between Celtic consciousness and the rhythms of Hegel's thought, straddling his native folk world and the adopted Germanic culture of a primary architect of the 20th century thought. During these years, John also began working on a postdoctoral dissertation on Meister Eckhart, a 14th century German mystic and philosopher. Eckhart's ideas became a primary and profound influence, offering invitation and companionship for John to venture further in his own exploration. John's writings emerging from this period of study and reflection, illuminated with deep and critical compassion, our innate human hunger to belong within the physical and mental landscapes that we mysteriously inhabit. In 1997, Anakara was published, instantly becoming an international bestseller and propelling John onto the world stage. It is portions of Anakara that I will be reading today. John's legacy directs our search for intimacy to crucial thresholds, tradition and modernity, past and future, life and death, the visible and the invisible world. At the heart of John's awakened beliefs was the premise that ancient wisdom could offer desperately needed nourishment for the spiritual hunger experienced in our modern world. John is fondly remembered by an international readership as one who could blend critical analytic thought with imaginative evocation, enabling people to release themselves from the false shelter of the familiar and repetitive 
to become agents of transformation and change. John O'Donohue's Anakara, a book of Celtic wisdom, is published by HarperCollins eBooks in the version that I will be reading. I will begin on page 89 of 234, location 1359 of 3063 in the Kindle edition. The eternal is not elsewhere. It is not distant. There is nothing as near as the eternal. It is captured in a lovely Celtic phrase translated, the land of eternal youth is behind the house, a beautiful land fluent within itself. The eternal world and the mortal world are not parallel, rather they are infused. A beautiful Gaelic phrase translated woven into and through each other captures this. Behind the facade of our normal lives, Eternal destiny is shaping our days and our ways. The awakening of the human spirit is a homecoming, yet ironically our sense of familiarity often, often middleates against our homecoming. When we are familiar with something, we lose the energy, edge, and excitement of it. Heigl said, generally, the familiar precisely because it is familiar is not known. This is a powerful sentence. Behind the facade of the familiar, Strange things await us. This is true of our homes, the place where we live, and indeed of those with whom we live. Friendships and relationships suffer immense numbing through the mechanism of familiarization. We reduce the wildness and mystery of person and landscape to the external familiar image. Yet the familiar is merely a facade. Familiarity enables us to tame, control, and ultimately forget the mystery. We make our peace with the surface as image, and we stay away from the otherness and fecund turbulence of the unknown that it masks. Familiarity is one of the most subtle and pervasive forms of human alienation. In a book of conversations with P.A. Mendoza, a Colombian writer, Gabriel Garcia Marquis, when asked about his 30-year relationship with his wife, Mercedes, said, I know her so well now that I have not the slightest idea who she really is. For Marquis, familiarity is an invitation to adventure and mystery. Conversely, the people close to us have sometimes become so familiar that they have become lost in a distance that no longer invites or surprises. Familiarity can be quiet death, an arrangement that permits the routine to continue without offering any new challenge or nourishment. This happens also with our experience of place. I remember my first evening in Tübingen, Germany. I was to spend more than four years there studying, studying Heigl. But that first evening, Tubigen was utterly strange and unknown to me. I remember thinking, look very carefully at Tubigen this evening because you will never again see it in the same way. And this was true. After a week there, I knew the way to the lecture halls and seminar rooms, the canteen and library. After I had mapped out my routes through the strange territory, it became familiar and soon I did not see it for itself anymore. People have difficulty awakening to their inner world, especially when their lives have become overly familiar to them. They find it hard to discover something new, interesting, or adventurous in their numbed lives. Yet everything we need for our journey 
has already been given to us. Consequently, there is a great strangeness in that shadowed light of our soul world. We should become more conversant with our reserved soul light, the first step in awakening to your inner life and to the depth and promise of your solitude would be to consider yourself for a little while as a stranger to your own deepest depths, to decide to view yourself as a complete stranger. Someone who has just stepped ashore in your life is a liberating exercise. This meditation helps to break the numbing stranglehold of complacency and familiarity. Gradually, you begin to sense the mystery and magic of yourself. You realize that you are not the helpless owner of a dead-end life, but rather a temporary guest gifted with blessings and possibilities you could neither invent nor earn. I appreciate these thoughts from, from over 20 years ago. As we come out of a time of quarantine, and not so much out of the time of the COVID virus, but a time that we're moving into coming outside more and interacting with people more. Certain things have become very familiar to us, our family members and perhaps our surroundings. And in becoming familiar, we've become numb in new ways. And in becoming numb, we've grown deadened. And it would be good to reconsider ourselves again to become adventurers in our own lives and to not have a stranglehold of complacency, but to be a temporary guest gifted with blessings and possibilities. If you feel like things have gone on the same sorts of ways day after day or week after week, you might be lulled into a kind of familiarity that has made you unaware of your surroundings and numbed to them. Familiarity can be a quiet death for you and a kind of spiritual numbness, too. In what ways can we disrupt familiarity and see things new? If you have some ideas of how that can be done, some ways to find refreshment and disrupt familiarity, let me know what some of your ideas are. You can contact me on Twitter, at Lisa Delay or at SparkMyMuse, or you can contact me at the website where a lot of interaction can happen around these episodes patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse, where there will be bonus material for this episode, and there is bonus material for many episodes as you support at whatever amount you can afford. And thank you very much for listening and for, for coming along with me during these Soul School episodes. Episodes with guests will resume soon in this summer schedule. You'll be delighted to hear from the people I have on tap. Be blessed. I'll see you next week. Thank you.